Oh boy, welcome to the greatest day of the NHL offseason every single year, July 1st, Free Agent Frenzy Canada Day. Uh, Megan has been personally victimized by this day. Um, I have been personally <laughs> victimized by the country of Canada, <laughs> the entire country. We're going to get into it, but basically, we're not going to talk about it right now, but basically, Megan today... The Montreal Canadiens made a move. Mark Bergevin made a move, and Megan's like, I hate Canada. Well, no, you hate Mark Bergevin. (laughs) But Megan has been blaming Canada all day. I think she renamed our group chat with her sister, like, don't trust Canada, don't trust the league, something like that. Uh, At first it was like, don't trust Canada, and then don't trust Mark. (laughs) Yeah, and then Olivia changed it to don't trust the league, which I actually like the best because the NHL cannot be trusted. And I can't decide if that's a good or a bad thing. It's a, you know, it's a wild ride, but uh, kind of alluding to that as we get going here. Today is July 1st. We decided to postpone recording of the podcast like we usually do on Sundays and decided to do it tonight so that we were uh, able to get all of the free agent signings that have happened and that have gone down in the last, uh, I don't know, couple hours. I mean, noon Eastern time, so about seven and a half hours now yeah. uh, since since then, <laughs> which there's still trades going on and there's still things happening. Uh, the last one happening about, I don't know, like an, an hour ago maybe. But uh, uh, Yeah, that's probably the newest it's funny, too, because every time I open up Twitter or Instagram or whatever, I see I, like, scroll far down enough where I reach some point that I just, like, miss during the day. And I see trades or signings that I just didn't know happened. I'm like, wow, I've missed so much. I've missed. I'm, like, trying to stay on top of it, but it's really hard when there's, like, so much happening. And I just feel like it wasn't like this last year. Maybe it was. Maybe I just didn't pay enough attention to it. Or maybe I was just, like really zeroed in on like what my favorite teams are doing but now that I follow like half the league on my personal one and then I follow all of the league on our you know on our podcast social medias I've seen all sorts of things I'm like I don't first of all I don't even know who half these guys are second of all I didn't know that that's where they were going to end up like I think the NHL is going to look completely different by the time October rolls around and that's stressful to me I'm not going to know who's on any of these teams. I'm really not. This year was a little more active than it has been in the past. And there were a lot of moves that... Yes, and so I had a bunch of insiders. I have, throughout the throughout the season, I keep Elliot Friedman, Chris Johnston, and Bob McKenzie on tweet notification all the time. And John Shannon. I keep them on tweet notification 24-7, 365, all year round. Today, I added Darren Dreger, and I added... Oh, who else did I add? Oh, there was one other guy that I added today. Oh, Pierre Lebrun. I added Pierre Lebrun to that to that list. So I, I have a pretty good list of guys that I have on tweet notifications so that I know I will I won't miss something and I wanted to get guys from TSN and Sportsnet because I wanted to make sure like one guy's gonna break it and one guy might not get it. So I had them all in tweet notifications, but when I woke <laughs> up this morning, it was just like a barrage of tweets. And then just throughout the day, say, as even things like, happened, I was like, oh my God. Like last night, I was so surprised. I mean, I guess I shouldn't have been, but like, I'm, and I knew there were going to be rumors, obviously. There are always going to be rumors, but last night it felt like things were like legit confirmed. The NHL just couldn't actually confirm it because it's like, you know, you got to wait until noon or whatever, but 
I was so surprised at the amount of things that people said last night that ended up happening like right at noon today. And again, I think it honestly just boils down to the fact that I just didn't pay attention to free agency last year. And or at least I didn't pay as close of attention to it, um, partially for like my own sanity, but also because actually I think last year I was traveling. So I think that had something to do with it. Um, I was traveling for a concert, actually, now that I think about it. Um, But I just don't remember everything happening all at once. So today was a little bit overwhelming because um, I do still have my day job. So I really could only check Twitter every once in a while so that I wasn't, um, you know, not doing my job. Um, And it was so overwhelming. (laughs) I was trying to just, like, keep my – it felt like – I don't know, like, you know those movies where, like, people get stuck in, like, water and the water just keeps rising and they're, like, trying to stay above it? That's literally what it felt like. But just, like, divergent. less stressful. Have you seen Divergent? One yeah, of her yeah, fears yeah, yeah. Like is, that. like, the tank. Like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. I mean, slightly less stressful because it's not like I was going to die or something. But, like... Yes, yes. It, it was just overwhelming. Same concept. Same concept. Same concept. Same concept, but just without the consequences. Yes. And that was... Last, last year, the big... The big one everyone kind of had their eyes on was John Tavares, and he signed on July 1st, so there was no waiting around, I guess. And there were, there were other big guys that signed last year as well, but this year you had Duchesne, you had Panarin, Bobrovsky, a lot of guys that... Pavelski. Pavelski was a big one that we no one Zuccarello. really knew until the last like week or two that he was actually visiting with other teams. Everyone was kind of under the impression that he'd stay. I mean, Eric Carlson had signed already before the period, the visiting period began. And then now the big story are the RFAs and Mitch Marner, Braden Point and Patrick Line are the big ones that everyone's really talking about right now. But as I said earlier with uh, Eric Carlson, there were a couple guys that did sign throughout before the, before those, the visiting period or during the visiting period. So before we get to the free agent frenzy names that went today on July 1st, uh, a couple things that, a couple guys that had signed beforehand. We're just going to like run through and then we could talk about a couple of them that, you know, are important. Uh, but the Vegas, the first one that leads it off is the Vegas Golden Knights. They signed William Carlson to an eight year deal worth 5.9 million uh, average annual value. And that was on Sunday. So he, he played all 82 games last year. He only had, he had 24 goals and 32 assists for 56 points, which was a significant decrease from his 42 goal season that he had when he came over in that trade from Columbus over to the Vegas Golden Knights, but still a huge piece of what they're doing out there in Vegas. This is going to be their third season, so they're really starting to build a little bit and get guys uh, that want to stay out there for long term. Uh, Another one, Boston Bruins signed Stephen Camfer. The Philadelphia Flyers signed Brian Elliott to a one-year deal at $2 million to back up Carter Hart, which is just... Megan's shaking her head and laughing right now, but Brian Elliott, before before you before you go, let me say his numbers. Uh, he played in 26 games. He had 11 wins, 11 losses, and one tie, one shutout, a 2.96 goals against average, and a 9.07 save percentage. So it's not stellar, but there are better options. Yes, that is a understatement, and I can't be I can't be that hard on on him because. He is a good Wisco boy, but at the same time, I kind of, I honest to God kind of wish he had stayed in St. Louis because between him and the Jake Allen experience, it was so funny to watch them just flounder. That sounds so bad, but their goaltending was so bad for so long. So now that it's good, I'm like, what are you doing? Sorry, that was my little... 
Well, now that they have Carter Hart, um, well, also, yeah, and yeah. Carter Hart is the best. Carter. Well, now that they have Carter Hart, I kind of feel like they finally have a good goaltending situation there. Oh yeah, and I think I think he'll be a true starter. Carter Hart, well, not Brian Elliott, obviously. Um, nothing again. Nothing against Brian Elliott. He is a good Wisco boy. I'm gonna keep reiterating that. I I have a really hard time being mean to goalies because. I say that, and I just ripped Bennington last week, um, or two weeks ago, whenever that was. Um, but I like, I love goalies, and I don't know, Carter Hart's one of my faves easily. So, I mean, I feel like Brian Elliott, I, th- I think he'll be a fine backup, but I think he'll be a true backup, and Hart will be a true, you know, starting goalie. I don't think, I don't think it'll be split, like, super evenly, like a lot of goaltending tandems are now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and then the Montreal Canadiens signed Mike Riley to a two-year deal. The Vancouver Canucks did not extend a qualifying offer to Ben Hutton. He played yes. in 69 games for the Canucks this year, had five goals and 15 assists for 20 points. He's a solid lower-pairing guy, but, you know, I don't think... The Canucks don't really have... I don't want to say they don't have time for that, but... I get the they sense they're in win now. Yeah. I get a sense, not win now, but I get a sense that they're like, okay, we're kind of speeding up the I rebuild think, here. Like, I was going to say they want, I think because of how good Pedersen is, and obviously like Besser's good and Horvat's good, and they have a bunch of other good guys in their pipeline, mm-hmm. but Markstrom got really like, he got into his stride towards the end of the season. And I think even Thatcher Demko kind of got into his goaltending stride as well. So I think... I think they're thinking that they want to get, they want to, they want to win before, or I guess start winning more before they have to pay Pedersen like huge bucks because they're going to have to. Yes, I agree. And they Same got, with Besser too. I mean, I think Brock Besser is going to get a big deal too. Probably not, probably say. not like huge, huge, but. I kind of feel like he's in that tier with Aho just below Marner. Like I think Marner is, I, is not a whole a lot above of the, like above those guys, but I do yeah. think that he but does like have a, a hair, step ahead yeah. of them. Yes. So I think he falls into there, but that I was going to say that too, that they got some big contracts coming up that they need to lock up and they just locked up Edler for six, six at 6 million for, I don't know how many more years, two years, I, just, I think. Yeah. Jim Benning doesn't make any sense to me. They're the Canucks jam. He like everything he does, every time he does something, I'm like, what? What are you doing? Like, not to be mean, but like, what are you doing? Not I'm the to... worst armchair GM people. I'm literally the worst. I was, I was Anytime say, a GM does very, anything, yeah. I'm like, what are you doing? What is the point of this? I could probably do this better. Megan is out here being, being a GM, everyone. I am a GM. I'm sitting on my, I'm actually laying on my couch, mm-hmm. lounging on my couch. I'm not fully laying down I'm with lounging. a dog blanket on me and my dog sitting basically in my lap. I am an armchair GM. That's very <laughs> true. Uh, so from there, the, uh, the trade that sent Patrick Marlowe and a bunch of picks, we talked about that last week, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. was sent over to the Carolina Hurricanes. The Carolina Hurricanes, as everyone suspected they would, have bought out Patrick Marlowe's contract in full. It was a $6.25 million cap hit, um, an average annual value for the next one. He has one more year left on his deal. He played two of them in Toronto. Uh, But in 2018-19, he played 82 games, which I think he, after Andrew Cogliano's Ironman streak ended with the the Ducks last season, I think Marlowe is up there with the most consecutive games played in the NHL, which is 
I think Keith Yandel's up there too. Yandel's up there, and I know I know Marlowe is for sure. I'm just not sure where yeah. he is on that list. Uh, but he played in all 82 games. He had 16 goals and 21 assists for 37 points. So also not the best numbers ever. But also he's like 40 years old, and he's, he's also like he's also what hockey people call a locker room guy. Or oh, yes. a veteran leader. Yes. Whichever term you want to use. Veteran for, presence like, in the locker room. You can just combine them all. Yeah. For whatever whatever term you want to use for basically, he's not that good on the ice, but he's really important off the ice. Well, and you saw that with Austin Matthews and yeah. Mitch Marner on their Instagram post that was like, you're my brother. Like, that's... Like, I fully, I fully support that role. And mm-hmm. I, I do think, I mean, I do think you look at some of the, you know teams around the league that maybe don't have that veteran presence and you can kind of tell not like it's not like a bad thing I just and I don't think it's like it helps I don't, but you look at like the stars come to mind like I guess they had like Jason Spezza but he's really the only one who's like I mean and now they don't even have him um they don't they don't have a guy who's like that guy in Toronto no, no, no! In um, in in Dallas. Oh, in Dallas, yeah. Like, no, they, they don't have like a veteran mm. leader because Tyler Sagan's not that. Jamie Ben is not that. I'm not saying they can't be leaders; they're just not that type yes. of leader. It's not and that like, the guy that's been through it. That like Jason Spezza, that was a couple a couple minutes away from going to a Stanley Cup final, and you have Patrick Marlowe who has been through everything. Like you think about San Jose, that guy is Joe Thornton. Joe Thornton is not the best player on the exactly. ice by any means, but dude, to have that guy as a leader in your locker room is invaluable. Like for Justin your young Williams guys. is another good mm-hmm, example. Mm-hmm. You get like, to be honest, Brent Seabrook is kind of becoming that. Yes, like, he has been that since. Yeah, like, and I think Chris Kunitz kind of filled that role as well last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Four cups. Matt Cullen is you. another one. I just feel like they're just guys. Zdeno Chara. Are, yeah, Chara. Yep. Um, AKA everyone who had played in the nineties. I know. I was going to say, like, it sounds bad and like, it's not every old guy ever. I mean, yeah. Cause I mean that, that you, that you kind of have to be old to fit the veteran piece of that. But I just feel like there are a lot of teams that don't have that. And you can tell, and like I said, it's, it's not a bad thing. It's just one of those things where like, it's something you want. And I think, as much as people harp on how much, like, people harp on other people when they say that it's important to have that to win a cup, mm-hmm. I genuinely think it is. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely think that you need those guys in the locker room to be like, this is how you do it. Let's go do it. Yes, and I agree. maybe they're not on the ice, or maybe they're not, maybe they're not producing that much on the ice, or maybe they don't get that much ice time, but they're, like, vital to that team. And I don't want to say that David Backus is there, but like I feel like he's kind of like he he's kind of he kind of fits that bill, especially this past season, like especially in the playoffs where he really didn't play at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was like a presence; he was there in the locker room. Yes, and I felt like that was important. Yes. Sorry, I went on this rant about old people. Well, that's Didn't okay. You there. you mentioned the St. Louis Blues. That's a perfect segue into our next guy. Yeah, Carl yeah. Gunnarsson uh, resigns a two-year deal worth $1.75 million average annual value. He played 25 games for the Blues last season, only had three goals and four assists for seven points. But 
I think throughout the playoffs, all you heard was gutters are gutters. And he's he's a big guy. He's not a small. Yeah. It's not a small guy. I feel like he's just a good role player, and he's been a blue for a long time. Uh, he's been a blue for I want to say so, yeah since 2014. So it's been about five years, and he was he spent five years in Toronto. So he's a former Leaf because you know everyone that formerly played on the Leafs went to the St. Louis Blues and won the Stanley Cup this year. So. That happened. Speaking about the Toronto Maple Leafs, they re-signed two of their young players. Kasperi Kapanen signed a three-year deal with a $3.2 million average annual value. And Andreas Janssen signed a four-year deal with a $3.4 million average annual value. Kasperi Kapanen's numbers this year were pretty good. 78 games. He had 20 goals and 24 assists for 44 points. And Janssen was right on the same track as him. He played 73 games, so a little bit less. But he also had 20 20 goals and 23 assists, so he's 43 points. So if he had one more assist, he would have matched Cappy and been buddy-buddy with him. But I, I was, think... like, kind of surprised by this one. Were you, like, I don't know. You're, you're a Leafs fan, so I'd like to get your perspective on it. Because I, so, I was under the impression. And... I haven't really looked at anybody's cap space. I don't even know how much space the Leafs have at this point. But, like, I was under the impression that their goal this summer was to get some better defense and to sign Mitch Marner at whatever that takes. And I know they just they, – we'll get to it later. But they just made a big trade and they, like, gotten rid of some pe- – I don't want to say gotten rid of pieces. That sounds bad. But Moved like, pieces. Yeah, they've moved pieces around, whatever, but I just feel like, and I can't, it might have been Steve Dangle who said this, I don't know, or maybe he retweeted it, I don't remember, it was a Leafs person of some sort, and I guess, like, I, I, like, I was under the impression that you had to get Mitch Marner squared away before signing either one of these two. And it sounded to me like those two are out the door and that Mitch Marner is going to stay. But maybe I, I also Kyle Dubas scares me because he's one of the only GMs that I like low key trust that could change in the next couple months. But like he seems to know what he's doing. And like every time he makes a move, I'm like, all right. Um, but I don't know. Like, what do you think? Like I, those two signing just felt like very important. They were, it was very, very important to get either one or both of those guys re-signed just because they provide a lot of depth in the lineup. And right. the, 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 the Leafs need wingers. They have really, really good center depth down the middle. And I mean, you just lost Nazem Kadri, who we'll get to that later, but you just lost Nazem Kadri, who was your third line center. And their defense is the area that they need to work on the most because you have Jake Gardner walking, Ron Hainsey left, uh, Zaitsev, you were moving off the books. But we also did lose. To, they also did lose today. Connor Brown. Uh, you need to re-sign Mitch Marner. But Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen were great bottom six guys for the Leafs this past year. They both were almost fifty point guys. But they're both very, very, very fast and very skilled with the puck, and they can make a lot of great. That's what I plays. thought. And they have a they have just a tad bit over eleven million dollars in cap space to work with right now after this trade that they just uh, they just okay, did. So that helps. They have a lot of space. Mitch Marner is. Number one. And Kyle Dubas did say, he did say in his presser a couple days ago that Mitch not signing kind of creates a logjam within the organization for getting other people signed. But that being said, the two the two signings that he did with Kasperi Kapanen and Andreas Janssen weren't 
that big of a cap hit that they're not going to have enough money right like they're not huge cap hits or anything i mean it's they're great 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 deals great deals i i love the term and i love the the amount that they're at for both of them i was really afraid that they were going to be around five or more which they're not worth i'm sorry i love kapanen and jansen as players but they're that's they're not worth that but I think it, it was very it was imperative for them to sign them because you can fix your defense and they have they have a couple prospects that are coming up in the system that could help them but they're not ready yet uh, and they just actually traded away one of their top prospects which kind of makes me sad but you have Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin and then you have you're losing Hainsey and you're losing Gardner Gar- I mean Gardner could still potentially sign and stay with the Leafs this year. He, they could. They have $11 million in cap space. I'd imagine after the whole Aho thing today, which we'll also get to, that kind of made Mitch's, Mitch's case a little bit better in the Leafs' eyes just because it's like, okay, I really don't think he has any place to ask for like 9 or $10 million uh, for a contract. So I think – but Jake, Jake would make right around 5 or 6 so uh, I don't think – I don't think Mitch – wants five or six so he's going to be wanting more maybe around eight seven or eight so we'll see but I think I thought it was really important that they signed Kapanen and Janssen because you need that depth and you need guys that are going to be able to carry you when your top lines aren't producing that's just when Austin Matthews and William Nylander and John Tavares and Mitch Marner hopefully like when those guys aren't going you need to be able to have you need to be able to have someone and, and people down low that are going to be able to help you out. So I thought it was really important that they signed them. I just thought it was interesting because all I had heard was that before they signed was that if you don't sign, if you sign these two before Mitch Marner, Mitch Marner is not getting signed. And to me, that didn't make like fully a whole lot of sense, but I also don't follow a lot of Leafs people. So the people I do follow are like Steve Dangle. Mm-hmm. That's like it. Um, and then like, obviously like insider people, but, um, I just wanted your take on it because I was kind of, I don't want to say I was surprised, but I guess I kind of was. I mean, I, I just got the impression all postseason and then into the early off season that one of them was going to walk. And that kind of surprised me because, I mean, I think three each is fair. Um, like, I don't think, I don't think either of them are on a bad deal at all. And I don't think that puts the Leafs in a, tough situation but all I had heard after they signed was that this is the end times and that Mitch Marner is going to get offer sheeted and run away and I, I just like it's another it's like the Tavares thing kind of where like Mitch Marner is he's from Toronto so like I just feel like mm-hmm. even if he was offer sheeted I don't think he would sign it Mitch I could be wrong maybe like maybe somebody goes on a you know Maybe somebody has like a crazy, you know, dream or something and does it, but I don't think he's gonna get off or she did. Not after what happened today. No. So let's keep moving along. Uh, there's some buyouts that need to be discussed here. So the Vancouver Canucks buyouts. bought out Ryan Spooner. The Edmonton Oilers bought out Andre Sekera, who signed a new contract. Um, Philadelphia Flyers bought out David Schlemko. Uh, the Florida Panthers bought out Scott Darling via a trade from the Carolina Hurricanes for James Reimer, and the Dallas Stars bought out Valerie Nichushkin. So from those ones that, from those ones, those players that have been bought out, Andre Sekera is the only one that has re-signed a new contract with another team. I have 
the sheet in front of me of all the free agents that went today, and I highlighted some of the important names. Yes, okay, so he signed with Dallas on a one-year deal worth $1.5 million, but the cap hit is, or the cap hit's 1.5, but it's valued at $2 million. So he was making $5.5 million a year with Edmonton, and I think he still had two more years left on his deal, so that was worth right around $11 million. So, uh, but... Scott Darling was one that I we, we kind of heard about throughout the season there as it as it as a possibility, uh, excuse me, but as a possibility for him getting bought out. But I think he needs a fresh start for sure. Um, he I, I there were things that happened. His father passed away. I'm pretty sure um, there was a lot of other things that had happened kind of behind closed doors with him personally and knowing Scott Darling and having him win a cup here and being a local kid. He's, he's a great kid and he's a great hockey player. And I think that if he's given a fresh chance somewhere where he can be, you know, not, I don't think he, he needs that starter role. I think he has established that in the past, but I think having a good backup role for him would be really good. Not have all the pressure on him, but still being able to carry a load uh, would be really, really good for him. But out of those, out of those buyouts, I thought that one was kind of the most interesting. And I think it was, I mean, Florida had, the cap space to be able to buy him out and they needed to get rid of James Reimer who still had a signing bonus owed to him right around two million dollars so those were those were some some buyouts and some uh free agency stuff that happened before and I do I mean I I've said this before Scott Darling is literally one of my favorite players like ever and I'm still upset that I didn't get to meet him last year when I had the chance two years ago earlier this year I don't remember when it was I had a chance and I totally I just didn't I didn't capitalize on it and I'm so upset because he's literally like one of my all-time favorite players and I just want him to be happy somewhere but I totally agree with you that I think if he gets a fresh start and if he can be a backup somewhere because I think when the Hurricanes acquired him the idea was that he was going to be the starter and I feel like sometimes you can't just throw somebody into that. Goalies are very particular to begin with. And I say that like I know this, like I am a goalie. Um, But like from my experience, goalies are really particular. And I feel like sometimes it's hard to just like throw somebody into like a starting role like that. And I think it just wasn't the right, maybe it wasn't the right time or it wasn't the right place, whatever. Um, but I think with a fresh start where he can be a solid, like, 1B or, like, a backup, mm-hmm. I think he'll be fine. And I think he'll get his footing again. But I, I want the world for him. I love him so much. Yes. No, I agree. I agree there. So let's talk about some trades that went down. And then we'll get into the whole free agent frenzy from today because there are a lot. Uh, but a couple of trades that did go down the last couple of weeks since we last talked, and there have been a lot, and some are pretty funny. Uh, the first one we'll talk about is pretty funny. The Philadelphia Flyers acquired Tyler Pitlick from the Dallas Stars in exchange for Ryan Hartman. <laughs> you, said, you said the Flyers. I was like, oh, no, I know where this is going. So let me just set the scene for you here. If any of you follow Mr. Ryan Hartman on Twitter, you would know that last Saturday, so not this Saturday, but the Saturday prior, Ryan Hartman had gone up to a lake 
all the way up in, I'm pretty sure it's in Northern Ontario. I looked it up on the map when he posted on Instagram yesterday. It's like Northern Ontario, right on the border of Ontario and Manitoba. And this was tweeted on the 21st of June. And he posted a cool panorama of his dock on this lake. And he says, heading off the grid till next Saturday. If you need me, leave a voicemail. Peace, world. And three days later, he proceeds to get traded from the Philadelphia Flyers to the Dallas Stars. So everyone's like, oh, no. Ryan Hartman tweeted that he is literally off the grid right now. I wonder if he knows. His agent came out and was like, yeah, I haven't been able to get a hold of him. His mom came out and was like, yeah, I haven't been able to get a hold of him. <laughs> His mom tweeting was my favorite. That was so funny. His mom's like, please call your mom. Like, I, I, we don't know where you are. And so then it gets better. There was like just people all over. Like, I, I, we don't know if Ryan Hartman has heard from, we, we, we haven't heard from him. So he, he posts yesterday, which was the 30th of July. And he said, what a great trip. With some you mean great the 30th of June? S- yeah, sorry. The 30th of June. What a great trip. With some great story storytelling, but even better company. And he posted pictures all over. He posted pictures of him fishing, blah, blah, blah. And then he said the last picture, which is a picture of him on a dock talking to someone I presume is his agent or someone, um, with a water plane in the background. One of those planes where you can land it on a body of water. That was like, this is how I found out about the trade. Someone literally had to fly to him to tell him that he had been traded because he was so far off the grid and he turned his phone off that's the goal i would freaking love to go i was telling my mom this a couple nights ago i would literally love to go so far off the grid that nobody can get a hold of me and just be there just just stay like just just like if there was a target nearby i'd be totally fine yes so that was that was the first trade that was uh pretty funny and I actually I, I, I got that tweet while I was nannying and I nanny three girls that are eight six and two and a half and the eight-year-old asked me why I was laughing and I and I explained the whole situation to her and she was sitting there and she's like that guy makes a lot of money why wouldn't you have your phone on that's just a little stupid <laughs> and I was like you know what girl you're right this eight-year-old knows more about it than I do, so thought that was thought that was pretty funny. Uh, moving on from there, the Colorado Avalanche acquire Kevin Cottonen and a third-round pick from the Arizona Coyotes in exchange for Carl Soderberg. Uh, the Carolina Hurricanes acquired Eric Howla from the Vegas Golden Knights in exchange for Nicholas Waugh. Pretty sure that's how you say his last name, if it's anything like Patrick Waugh. And a conditional fifth-round pick. That actually happened, that Eric Howla trade happened the night of the night before his wedding. So he got <laughs> traded and then he got married. <laughs> Which is funny because I think, oh, I don't want to say the wrong player, but I think I'm like 98% sure there's another Hurricanes player who ha- is like the same thing. I want to say it was Jordan Stahl. I think it was. I think Jordan Stahl was literally like the night of his wedding got traded from the Penguins to the Hurricanes. I think it was him. Yeah, something like that. Check me on that, but I think that's who it was. And then the Colorado Avalanche have been busy this offseason. Uh, they acquire Andre Burkowski from the Washington Capitals in exchange for a second and third round pick in 2020 and Scott Kozmachuk, who is a prospect. He hasn't played a game in the NHL yet. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres acquired Colin Miller from the Vegas Golden Knights and essentially sent Steve Dangle into just a, a barrage of angry tweets in exchange for a second-round pick in 2021 and a fifth-round pick in 2022. Uh, I think the last podcast, at the very tail end of it, he said, 
He's like, if Colin Miller isn't a Toronto Maple Leaf by the time that July 1st hits, I'm literally going to riot. He's like, I'm, I'm going to be genuinely pissed off. So I, I'm patiently waiting for the next, the next podcast, which I'm assuming will come out tomorrow or Wednesday after the whole free agency thing dies down. And I just really want to know how pissed off he is. Um, <laughs> the, this was the biggest one. One of the biggest ones that happened uh, before July 1st. The Arizona Coyotes acquired Phil Kessel, Dane Burks and a, thrill. And, four, and a fourth round pick in 2021 in exchange for Alex Galchenyuk and Pierre Olivier, Olivier Joseph, which Phil Kessel, Phil Kessel is just very interesting. And I, I don't really know how to describe his play other than he can score a stupid amount of like dirty goals, but also like that's about all he does. His defense isn't the greatest and he doesn't really, you know, I don't know. His shot is just wicked. And he plays, but he plays like all situations. He's out there with the top guys every single night and Malkin and Crosby and all that stuff. So I actually Malkin posted on Instagram a video of Phil being really angry during a game and freaking out on the bench. And he said, like, I'll miss you, Phil, something, something, something. And then in Russian, it was a hashtag. Oh, the, hashtag? And the hashtag just said fat when he translated oh my God, it. it was- so funny I when I saw that I absolutely lost it I don't know why I thought that was so funny I don't know if it's because it was in Russian and like he's like haha no one's going to figure me out now yeah ha 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 my god like we can't (laughs) just type that into freaking google translate um it was so good I'm not a penguins fan you guys know this but that was the funniest thing I had seen all day that day, yeah. and I could not stop laughing at it. It was, I don't know why it was so funny to me, but it was hilarious. As we really mentioned, as quality, we, quality post. As we mentioned earlier, the Florida Panthers acquiring, acquiring Scott Darling for James Reimer. The, the Florida Panthers also were acquired, sorry, I don't know what's going on with my pronunciation tonight. Uh, they also acquired a sixth round pick in 2020 for that trade and then a couple other ones that had happened uh this happened as of today july 1st the ottawa senators this is what i woke up to the ottawa senators acquired akita zaitsev connor brown and michael carcone mark carsoni carcone i don't know from the toronto maple Leafs in exchange for cody cc ben harper and aaron luchuk plus a third round pick in 2020 which is very very good for the Toronto Maple Leafs to be able to offload that Zaitsev contract yeah I think he was making 4.5 million or 4.25 over the next couple years sorry there was a fly um over the next couple years and that was a contract that was really weighing down the Toronto Maple Leafs and was really something that they needed to get rid of because you have Mitch Marner to sign and you have a couple other guys coming up in free agency uh, free agency in the next year. Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry, who they just got in a trade. Travis Dermott and Ben Harper are going to be RFAs. And then you have Martin Marinch and Kevin Gravel, Justin Hall, and Cody Cece is actually an RFA this year. And then Freddie Anderson, if you're looking out in a little bit of the future, he's up as a UFA in 21-22. So it was really important for them to offload that. And plus, Nikita Zaitsev isn't the best player that you could probably have on your team. Nothing against Nikita Zaitsev. He's an NHL player. He's just not worth that amount of money. So for the Ottawa Senators to, you know, take that. Thank you. We appreciate that. Uh, and they also made another move today. They acquired Tyson Berry 
Alex Kerfoot and a sixth-round pick from the Colorado Avalanche in exchange, in exchange for Nazem Kadri, Callie Rosen, and a third-round pick in 2020. And the sweetener is that Colorado will be retaining 50% of Barry's average annual value, which is a $5.5 million cap hit. So the, the Maple Leafs will only be taking on about two. They're taking on 2.75 of that contract, which is amazing. And it's only for this year because, like I said, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after this upcoming season. So that helps bolster their defense. Uh, as we said earlier, we were talking about Janssen and uh, Kapanen. That really helps to bolster their defense a lot back there. Hopefully they can get Cody CC signed on something short-term and, and not a lot of money to kind of shore that up. But Travis Dermott is not going to be ready for the start of the season because he did have shoulder surgery after they were knocked out by the Boston Bruins in the first round this year. But you do have Morgan Riley and Jake Muzzin, uh, and you got Mar- I mean, you resigned Mark Marincin, and you have some other guys that are not as well maybe known. Maybe I'm but... just like, maybe I just, I, I don't know. I guess I just don't follow the Avalanche or the Leafs all that closely, clearly. Um, this one came out of left field for me. I, I kind of figured, mostly after reading a lot and like just like general like thinking, um, you know, using my brain, um, I kind of figured they would try and trade Nassim Kadri over the over the offseason just because like he's a good player but like at what cost um he's been having issues since he started he started playing with the Leafs a couple years in they had to sit him down and be like listen buddy you can't because he used to be 10 times worse than what he is now he used to be a very very tough player and they sat him down and said listen if you want to play for this team if you want to play in the NHL you need to change how you play and I mean they said that the move, the move that they made with Nazem Kadri wasn't because of playoff performance, but when you cost your team a first-round exit the last two playoff seasons against the Boston Bruins by taking a penalty that you shouldn't have and getting yourself tossed out of the series when you really could have helped your team because he is a great player. Once they sat down with him and said, listen, buddy, you're a great player. You have a lot of skill. You're not using it in the correct way. We need to kind of retool this a little bit. He really accepted that role and really fell into it. And I remember watching a couple, there's a couple documentary videos that were made that he kind of said, listen, I, I got this new role. I have to accept it. I was mad about it at first, but I need, I need to get into this. And he really did. And he is a great player. And it's just, it's very, it's very disheartening to see that he couldn't figure it out with the Leafs and he couldn't win here because he has, he was the longest tendered Toronto Maple Leafs player as of last season. Uh, he's been there the longest. So it was really sad to see him go, but when you're getting players like Alexander Kerfoot and Tyson Berry back in, in return, I really don't think I'm going to lose any sleep over it. I, I just, think the fact you lose Callie Rosen is a tough, that's a tough, a tough loss not to, to have. be like that person, but I am calling it. Do I want to call this? Do I want to do this right now? Yeah, I'm going to do it. The avalanche literally, first of all, have been terrifying, but they've been like, I don't want to say they've been quiet because they've been doing a lot, but they've been like sneakily doing a lot until today, like until that trade, they've been just like hoarding people. And I'm like, oh, oh no, I honest to God think they could make a legit run at the cup next year. Like that's like they've gotten have, close the last couple of years. This might put them over the hump. I mean, I don't know what else you can do at this point because at, like they're scary. Mm-hmm. I was about to just go, ah, um, they are literally terrifying. And guess what? I don't want them in the central division. 
Yeah, that's going to be, they're going to be pretty tough to play up, up against this upcoming season. But, and then there was just one other trade that happened. Uh, the Buffalo Sabres acquired Jimmy VC from the New York Rangers in exchange for a third round pick in 2020. But that being said, let's get into the real talk of today, which was free agents signing. So there were a list. So I, I went on, I don't know if any of you guys are also obsessed with cat friendly like I am. And I literally was refreshing it, I think every three or four minutes today, but I printed out uh, the, there's like a master list of all of the players that have been signed today as of July 1st. And I went ahead and I printed it out and then I just kind of highlighted no names that I kind of wanted to touch on. Um, and some other guys that were funny, um, that I saw and I was like, Oh, Hey, you're back in the NHL. Um, but there are a couple names. So we're going to get into a couple of them here and their and their contracts, but just to name a few here, um, Bo Bennett is back in the NHL. He has signed a one-year deal worth seven hundred grand, which is league minimum, with the Arizona Coyotes. Uh, he formerly was with the Pittsburgh Penguins. He was kind of all over the league a little bit, uh, but he was well known for being with the with the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe. I want to say, yeah, he won the cup with them in sixteen. I was like, I think. I was gonna say he's got a cup ring. Yes, he he has two hundred NHL games. Uh, he played for four years in Pittsburgh and then a year in New Jersey and a year in St. Louis. Uh, and the last the last year he played was 17-18, so he took this season off. But he's back, so I saw that and I was like, oh, good for him. He's, I love him so much. I don't know if any of you follow him on Twitter, but he is so funny. And I am very excited that he's back in the NHL because I... I'm telling you, if you don't follow him on Twitter, you need to be following him on Twitter. He tweets about everything, and it's amazing. He's pretty funny. I'm fully a fan. He's pretty funny. Uh, we were actually talking about this before we went on. Tanner, Tanner Caro, formerly of the Blackhawks, signs in Dallas Blackhawks to a two-year two year deal worth seven hundred grand per year, and also. Um, also, Tom, Tomas Yurko signs with Edmonton on a one-year deal worth seven fifty grand. So, those were some. Those are some of them. There's a couple other ones. I mean, Curtis Gabriel goes to the Philadelphia Flyers. Cam Talbot signs in Calgary for a one-year deal worth $2.75 million. And Mike Smith heads down the road to Edmonton. Or up the road, I should say. Calgary is south of Edmonton. Uh, goes up to Edmonton. One-year deal worth $2 million. Uh, there's a couple other guys. Pierre Edward Belmar signs with Colorado. Marcus Granlin gets a fresh start with Edmonton. Uh, you got guys like uh, Richard Ponick, who signed with Washington. Blackhawks legend Richard Ponick. Alex Chason with Edmonton. Curtis McElhaney signs the biggest deal he's ever signed uh, as an NHL player with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Gustav Nyquist goes over to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Valtteri Filippula is still playing hockey somehow. He signs with the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, Brett Connolly, <laughs> Brett Connolly oh signs with the Florida Panthers. Uh, I mean, uh, the Brandon Tanev. I mean, he's okay, but I say that because of his age. He's over thirty-five. He's an old guy. Like, oh my god, wait, is he really? Yes. How did I not know that? Yes, he's been playing since two thousand six. He's thirty-five and one hundred and three days, but he's going to be he'll he'll be thirty he'll be thirty-six this year. But he won the cup in 08 with uh, Detroit. So I he mean, goes I knew back. That. Like I knew he'd been with Detroit before because he is in one of my favorite gifts ever where he's like resting his hand on his, st like he's got his hand on his stick and then his chin is on his hand and he's just like shaking his head. And it's the funniest gift ever. I'll try and find it and link it. It is so good. Yeah. So, but that's what I know him. 
that's how I know him. Isn't that sad? Yeah. Well, some, somehow he's still playing hockey. Um, and then you got guys like Keith Kincaid going up to back up uh, Carey Price in Montreal. Ryan Murray re-signs in Columbus. Jordy Ben heads home and signs with the Vancouver Canucks. Nathan Beaulieu signs with the Winnipeg Jets. You got Corey Perry that signed with the Dallas Stars. Uh, Nola Chari Still goes to the Florida Panthers. Ron Hainsey is an Ottawa Senator. Luke Shen signs with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, you got a couple other guys that, and so that that's kind of where it started today. There was uh, Jonas Corposalo kind of started it off today. That's the first signing as of July 1st on the Cat Friendly website. But... The big kahunas that we are going to be talking about here. Uh, let's start with our Temi Panarin because that seems like he was the biggest UFA on the market to go. Um, he signs, ends up signing with the New York Rangers, a seven-year deal worth $11.642 million, which makes him the highest paid winger in the NHL now. So my whole thing was, yes, Artemi Panarin is great. Artemi Panarin isn't good enough to make 11.6 million dollars no and look i am the president ceo owner whatever of the artemi panarin fan club i love him so much i will talk him up all day long but i don't think he's worth that much i saw that deal and and then i even saw like what the blue jackets offered to him apparently like really late last night it's like a last ditch effort which props to them for doing that because that's ballsy um i really appreciate that they did that um it was like something in the something in the realm 12.5 it was between 12 to 12.5 in that range is 100 million dollars no offense to panarin at all he is not worth that. I, That's the, reserved for Connor McDavid and Connor McDavid say, only. Like, so I, I rat on Connor McDavid a lot and his stupid shoelace belt, but he is, I'm going to regret saying this because I know I've said on the podcast that I don't do this, but he's the best player in the league. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that he's not because dude's insane. Let's just get that over with. Panarin is not near that at all. I don't even think he's in the top five, maybe. But, like, that's a stretch. When I think of the best players in the league, just, like, fully focusing on not goaltenders, because goaltenders are kind of tricky. But Panarin, for me, is, like, just outside the top six. And by a hair, but, like, I mean, top five. So probably like six or seven. I just feel like you look at the top five guys in the NHL. And to me, it's got to be like Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, and Austin Matthews. I'm trying to think. There's like another person that I can see his face and I can't think of his name right now. But I know there are like a handful of guys who I'd put up in that tier. And Panarin is good and he's probably close to that tier. But I just don't. I'm not going to sit here and say he's bad because he's not. He's a fantastic player. But is he worth $11 million? No. Not sure. No. Not Over sure. 11 and a half. It's 11.6. I just feel like... I don't know. And I, look, I, it's hard for me because I genuinely do love the guy. I really do. He's one of my favorite players to watch because I think he's... 
he's got like the same kind of creative mind that Patrick Kane does where he can just make plays out of thin air and you're like how did that even just happen but at the same time like he doesn't do that like every play you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. It's not something that happens all the time for him like it does for McDavid or for Patrick Kane or for Sidney Crosby where you're just like like every goal is a highlight real goal. Like that's just not where he is. Yeah. I'm not I saying he's not it worthy just, of a large contract or like anything exactly, like that, but exactly. he's like, not that, I not that he degree. he would be in the realm of like eight or nine, maybe ten. Yeah. That's just my personal opinion. Because even you look at like David Pasternak, who I feel like is like maybe like a low tier comparable to him. I think they play a similar game. I don't think they're the same at all, but I think it's similar. Pasternak's making like under seven, which is still amazing to me. And I, he's on like a, a steal of a contract. Like that's not a normal contract for the type of player he is, but I just, I don't know. It just seems like so much, but the Rangers are clearly like re- rebuild. We don't know her. We, we said it too much, too, two seasons ago, and we're done with that noise. We're not going there anymore. We're going to be full-on good, which is Well, fine. and they're going to get even better because all of the assets that they've acquired, they've acquired a shitload of draft picks uh, and yeah. prospects that they have. Them. It's, it's hoarding them. Like, excuse my French there, but it's just they're doing it so right, and they're doing it so quietly, and I, I just love that. And they're probably going to hopefully going to sign Truba and get a really great top defenseman there. So they're they're kind of setting it up. But Artemi Panarin's buddy, Sergei Bobrovsky, heads to the Florida Panthers. We all knew this. This is what they had been saying since day one. Uh, seven years, $10 million, average annual value. Also so being overpaid. That's, that's, that's the second highest paid goalie in the league bes- uh, behind Carey Price, who makes $10.5 million a year, I just, which is Carey Price, so he deserves that money. Sergei deserves goalies- like eight and a half, nine. The thing with goalies to me is that I don't really understand overpaying them for a long term like that only because goalies are so streaky. Even good goalies. Sergei like, Bobrovsky st- is the streakiest goalie I've ever yes. seen in my life. I know. But because you look at, again, like I hate to com- I hate to sit here and compare apples and oranges, but I'm going to do it because I just straight up don't understand. Like, <sighs> There's some really good goalies out there and goalies that are relatively consistent year to year. But even then, it's not like they don't have like streaky points where the backup has to play for a while because the starting goalie can't get his crap together. Like, I just, goalies are just, there's just a position where it's so hard to be consistently good for years. There are definitely guys who can do it and who have done it, but... I don't know. That just seems like such a big deal for a goalie. And I just, again, I love goalies. I've said this a gazillion times. I really do. Unless you're Carey Price, I don't think you should be making double digits. Sorry. Unless you're Carey Price or Andre Vasilevsky, maybe Hendrik Lundqvist is in that conversation. You're not. I don't. And and with even like, oh, go ahead. With Bobrovsky, he is the most up and down goalie I've ever seen in my life. Oh my God. He's the, yeah. That's not what I meant, but like, yeah, he's so streaky. He's the only goalie, the only active goalie with two Vesnas. He has two Vesnas, but he is the most up and down goalie I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, there was one year when he had 
so this past season he had a 213 save percentage. He had a two a nine or sorry, a 913 save percentage. Then he had a 921, a 931, a 908, a 918, a 923, a 932. And then he had an 899 and then a 915 going all the way back to his first year in the league in 2010-11 with Philly. Like he played two he played two seasons in Philly and he's played 7 years in Columbus and now he'll be going to Florida, but he's just the most up and down goalie I've ever seen in my life, but yet he is the one with the most active the most active goal or the the goalie with the most Vesnas right now that that's active in the NHL. It's just it Florida got their guy and that's great. I don't think you but needed to pay him, him $10 million over seven years. I also don't think that, that like, I think he would have signed there for less. I really do. Yes, and I know that's where people, he wanted like, to go. I also, like, I'm, people say this with Brent Seabrook a lot, too, that he would have stayed in Chicago for less money. And that's fine. Like, I, I get that argument. I really do. But I also, like, I mean, I see the player side of it, too, is, like, if somebody offers you that money, like, what are you going to do? Say no. Yes. Um... I just, like, I don't know. I Like, it's just a weird thing because, like, why are you going to offer that much mm-hmm. to a, a guy? I don't know. I just feel like the deals in the NHL are just getting out of hand. And the cap isn't able to support that. So I feel like some guys are, like, grossly underpaid and some guys are grossly overpaid. And all of it's just a mess. Mm-hmm. And the NHL is just a mess. Second like, round guys are going to be getting double digits in the next like three years, which I don't understand. Like again, like I'm not saying that like the president. It's because these guys are setting a precedent. So now someone like someone like Andre Vasilevsky is going to go to the offer table when it's his turn to sign a new a new deal and be like, "Well, look at Sergey Bobrovsky. He makes ten million dollars. I think I'm better, I'm better than, than like, him, so I deserve better than ten million dollars." And these teams are signing players to deals that they should not be. They're offering them more money because they're afraid that they're going to say no. So let's offer them more money so they'll say yes right off the bat. We don't have to negotiate. And then, oh no, we're stuck in a terrible contract. <laughs> Milan Lucic, like it's. Well, even like oh, look at it's the, the president. Freaking, it's the president. It's going to get worse. Look at the Kevin Hayes. Yes. Signing. Yes. Andres I Lee. I again, Kevin Hayes is one of my favorite players. He he's from that. I told I've said this on a podcast semi recently that I there's like a, a span of time where I loved the Rangers and I loved that specific team. And I still follow all of those players on every social media possible. And I follow them in each of the teams that they're playing on. It's like the teams between the 2015, 2016 season and like the 2016, 2017 season, I guess it's only two seasons, but like those two seasons, I loved every single guy on those and those two seasons teams. Like, those guys are my homies. I literally follow them. I love all of them. But Kevin Hayes, my Kevin Hayes, 420 Hayes it is not worth seven million a year. He's really not. I and like I'm I'm serious when I say that I absolutely love him and I think he plays a unique game because he's not really like a power forward necessarily, but he's also not like a fancy schmancy forward. He's somewhere in the middle, but like not just like average middle. He's like slightly above average. I don't know. His game is very particular and it's very unique and I really appreciate him, but, and I would have loved to have him for the Blackhawks, but not at that map. Like, Mm -hmm. no, no, that is just not, 
no. Yes. Yeah. So that was my rant on Kevin Hayes. But, like, the contracts are just getting so out of hand. I'm like, even, like, as I like ne- William Nylander fine, but, like, even his contract feels like a lot. And I know that's mostly just because of how long it took for them to figure everything out. But, like, he's at, like, what, six-something? Like, that's just, I don't know. I mean, I guess, like, he's not, I don't know. I just feel like the the league is not something that they need to like police what these teams are offering, but like there's got to be a better way for this to not happen because you're right. Second line guys, third round or third line guys are going to get in the double digits in the next couple of years and that's like not good. No. No. But then you look at like Sidney Crosby who makes what 8.7 is that what he said he makes because it's mm-hmm. his freaking number because it's weird because mm-hmm. yes. he had he had to be that guy he had to be the Taylor Swift guy of the NHL everything is the same number sorry let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Matt Shane signing in Nashville oh, yeah. uh, seven years eight million dollars we'll kind of stay on the we're going to stay in the central for a hot minute with the next two guys we talk about oh, next three guys we talk about here but Oh, four. We could talk about, oh, we could talk about the Central all day. Um, Matt Duchesne signs in Nashville. We kind of saw that one coming. Big country music guy. Uh, big, big, uh, like big just that culture. Uh, but I also think he really fits into what they're trying to do. And they really do need a bolster to their power play. Their power play, as we saw at the end of the regular season and into the playoffs, was almost non-existent uh, and almost was just not there. So they also just don't have any offense. Like not to be not to be mean, but like they don't have like they've guys that can score, but it was mostly their defensemen, which it's not how that works. Um so I feel like that's like you're right, like it fits into like what they're trying to do as far as like they don't want to rebuild necessarily and there's really no reason for them to retool at all, but like they just needed some. More, they needed some more star power up front, as far as like somebody who can score, which Matt Duchesne can do. Um, but you're right. I also think that he just fits into the the lifestyle, and that's really yeah. important because I feel like you like to be able to go to a team and play there for the next seven years of your life. I feel like you kind of need to to fit that mold and, and feel comfortable in that position. But kind of going <laughs> off of what you were saying, I mean, okay, they have Ryan Johansson. He's locked up. He's locked up until 2025, and then you got Duchesne, you got Philip Forsberg, who could score, Kyle Turris, who had a really down year, but he signed to a bigger deal, uh, Mikhail Granlin, and then it kind of goes on, Victor Arvinson is on there, uh, and you got a couple guys on there, and then their defensemen, you got Ryan Ellis, Roman Yossi, Matthias Ekholm, uh, and then from there it just kind of gets, and then you got Dante Fabro, who's still on his entry-level contract, who's going to be a stud. Uh, so yeah, I think, it, but I think it really helps to bolster, like you said, their offense and their power play is really important, um, that they need to, they need to get that going because they need to fix that so bad. I mm-hmm. mean, cause they could be deadly Blackhawks fan, you know, it'd be really nice if they didn't fix it, but like coming from just like a hockey fan slash hockey person, um, yeah, they need to fix that because that was, that was bad. And that's coming from somebody who watches the Blackhawks power play. In the Hurricanes power play. Yes. Uh, staying in the Central, let's talk about Jonas Donskoy signing with the Colorado Avalanche. She signs a four-year deal worth $3.9 million 
per year. And as we kind of alluded to earlier, the Colorado Avalanche have been making making some sneaky moves uh, the last couple days, but they've acquired Nazem Kadri, Jonas Donskoy, Pierre-Edward Belmar, uh, Andre Burakovsky, and, and Kevin Continent, and Callie Rosen over the last, and Nikita Zaisev. Jeez, oh, am I done? Yes, over the next, um, over the last couple days. So, and they, they, they are retaining a bit of Brooks Orpik's and Tyson Berry's salaries. Uh, Brooks Orpik is owed $1.5 million this upcoming season, and Tyson Berry is just owed 2.75. But if you go to the Cat Friendly page, Colorado Avalanche have $27 million in cap space to work with. So they, they, they're not even at the floor yet. They haven't even hit the floor. They're at $54.3 million, $54. million right now. They're not even at the floor, which is $60.2 million. So just expect Joe Sackick to still be a little active as the summer continues on because you, you need to hit the floor. But I don't think they're going to have a very, a very big issue with that. They do have a lot of RFAs that they need to sign up uh, sign this year. They have the biggest one is Miko Rantanen. Uh, then you have JT Confer, Andre Burakovsky, and Vladislav Kamenev. And then on the defensive side, you have Ryan Graves and Nikita Zaitsev that you need to sign this year, this season. So they have to do things. Miko, I, I'd have to, I'd have to assume that Miko Rantanen is their number one priority right now, just as Mitch I would is think so. with Edmund uh, with uh, Toronto. It's just kind of how it is. But Colorado has gotten sneaky good, sneaky good, and and they still have Philip Grubauer, their goaltender, signed until twenty one twenty two. So they're looking, uh, they're looking pretty good. But I really think that Jonas Donskoy, who knows how to score as well, he's another goal-scoring kind of guy, I think he, I think he could really, really help them. Uh, when, when, he was with the, when he was with the Sharks, excuse me, when he was with the Sharks, uh, he, he was very, I mean, he only had like four, he only has had 45 goals in his career in 283 games, but he's a great player. So I think Colorado is really going to benefit from that that deal, but the bigger deal that happened in the, in the central was Joe Pavelski, uh, choosing to leave the San Jose Sharks after eight years as their kept 13 years as their kept. I don't, I can't remember how it's, long he was there for. It's, um, let's see. I think you're right with 13. Oh, well, seven. Yeah. I don't know, cause yeah. 13, could, 13, seven. Maybe he's been with the 13. Yeah. Cause so, cause I, the reason I know that is because I'm 98% sure. I'm pretty sure he was on the team that won the national championship with Adam Burrish and mm-hmm. Brian Elliott back in 2006. I'm pretty sure he was. He played, he well, he drafted. played, yeah, no, he played in, I don't think, I honestly, wait, he might was not, he not have been on there. that team. He, I his think first he was on season in the NHL was 06, 07. Yeah. So he was on that team. He played 46 games that year. Yeah. So he was definitely on that team mm-hmm. yeah um i thought he was but i couldn't remember but anyways yeah like i three years again, seven million another one of those guys that i really really like i'm kind of surprised that he signed a shorter deal because i thought that the whole not the whole reason but like a big part of him reason leaving was that um the sharks weren't going to be able to give him like the longevity that or they didn't want to i don't remember um, but they like basically weren't going to give him the term, but I guess he liked what he saw in Dallas when he visited last week enough that he was like, yeah, sure. Yeah. So they got, I mean, I'm happy about it. They've got, they've got some guys locked up. I mean, Tyler Sagan and Jamie Ben, obviously you got Alexander Radulov, 
Andrew Cagliano's on that team. Uh, they also just signed Corey Perry. And then on defense, you got John, uh, guys like John Klingberg, Jamie Alexiak. They just signed Andre Sekera, Miro Heiskinen, who's going to be a great player for them. And then you got Ben Bishop and Nat Nanton Hudobin. So I think it's a pretty solid team. But I think, uh, honestly, I think Joe, after spending 13 years and after being the captain of the San Jose Sharks, which I, me personally, I've never been in that position. I will never be in that position. I'm not an NHL player. I'm not a professional athlete. But leaving, leaving any place is hard to do. I mean, you can see it in their Instagram or their Twitter posts when they're like, oh, it's, thank you to the fans. It's going to be really hard to leave. I love the organization, blah, blah, blah. But I think it's a little different when you spend, number one, your entire career. Number two, when it's over 10 years. It's 13 years there. And you're the captain. And you really have invested a lot of time and money and effort into that organization. And that's where your hockey could, I mean, that's where you had your kid. That's where you've raised your child. That's where you live. It's become your home. And so for him to, to try new options and to decide to, to, to leave, that's, that's pretty big. And I think it, it really tell, it's really telling of the Dallas stars organization and what he sees there. And then he sees an, he sees an opportunity there to win and, I mean, they almost they almost made it to the conference final this year against. Uh, they made it to the conference final this year. They lost against the St. Louis Blues on that Patrick Maroon game seven goal, but you know, a game seven overtime goal. But I mean, I I think it's and a that good was move with a Dallas. team that their owner called horse crap. Yes, and that's. I was actually saying this to a friend the other day. I explained to her the whole situation. She asked about it and. I explained it to her and I said, listen, uh, like them being able to recruit players to come play for the organization, it's going to be very hard moving forward because what kind of player is going to want to go to an organization where their owner comes out and says that, that, where an owner comes out and says that to a player that they hadn't even spoken to at all that season. I remember Jamie Ben saying, yeah, no, I've had, I've had no conversations or no connections with him this season at all. So I don't know where this is, where it's coming from. So that, that I kind of feel like also it didn't it didn't totally taint their their organization, but I also don't think it helped their cause in recruiting new players to come play for them. But I guess Joe Pavelski saw something there that he he really enjoyed and really wanted to be a part of. So we'll see where that goes. But staying in the central uh, for one more trade here, uh, Matt Zuccarello signs with the Minnesota Wild for five years, six million per year another one of those another one of those deals where I kind of think it, it was a little overpaid but Matt Zuccarello is is a pretty good player he, he had played with New York his entire career got traded to Dallas played in Dallas uh the second half of the deadline broke his arm and didn't play much but uh I I think he's a great player in terms of he just does all the little things right he's not that flashy kind of guy he's not gonna show up every day and make those spectacular plays or score those highlight real goals but uh, I think I think he's Minnesota is just one of those teams where I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like it's 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 literally the Edmonton Oilers of the Central Division, and who gave you money? I read a quote. Hold on, I'm gonna find this quote because I read this today and I was like, why would you describe him like that? So the GM of the Minnesota Wild, Paul Fenton was talking about Matt Zuccarello and this is what he says he says quote I told him when I was talking to him that he's like a lizard the way a lizard takes his tongue and sticks it as far as it does and retrieves what it was trying to do and I read that and I said Paul there there's probably a better way you could word that 
what the, the thought you're trying to convey here. I, I, I think there's a better way you I can do I don't know do that conveying, like, I don't really know that comparing him to a lizard is the way to do it. Yes. So the Minnesota Wild have just been very, I mean, the, like the comments the other day about Jason Zucker and then Carly Zucker came out and said something about it. And it, it's just, it's just kind of where I'm just kind of watching Minnesota right now going, what are you doing, pal? But we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but a couple other ones around around the league. Uh, Wayne Simmons gets another shot at trying to redeem himself. He signs a one-year deal with New Jersey worth $5 million a year. Uh, Timo Meyer re-signs in San Jose, four years, $6 million. Anders Lee decides to stay, and he announced it in the best way ever. If you follow him on Twitter, he just posted a link to a YouTube video from the Wolf of Wall Street and the scene where it's Jordan Belfort. Obviously, when he goes up to the stage, he's like, grabs the mic, he goes, I'm not leaving. I'm not bleeping leaving. And then everyone freaks out and he's like, I'm here to stay. You can't knock me out. All this stuff. So go, go watch <laughs> that, that if you good. haven't watched that yet. Um, and then Tyler Myers, the last one we'll talk about here. Tyler Myers signs a five-year, $6 million average annual value deal with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, his, his rights were traded over. I'm pretty sure that was to Philly from Winnipeg. Uh, Tyler Myers, it's, we, we all kind of knew um, he, he really didn't want to stay in Winnipeg any longer. Uh, he is a great young, a great young defenseman. He's a right-handed D, which are really hard to come by. Uh, he's pretty young. He's 29, which if you can call that young, uh, but he is signed all the way through 2023, 24. Uh, he, his last contract, he was making 5.5 million. So it's not a total pay raise for him, but I think also that really helps Vancouver. Uh, that's the most important part of this is Vancouver's also like as we as we alluded to earlier, they have a lot of young players that are coming up, and they are kind of in that rebuild mode right now after losing the Sedins. But they're sneakily going to be very good in a in a division like the Pacific that isn't as strong to begin with. Uh, it's yeah. it's 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 going to be a good place for him to kind of flourish and and for the Vancouver Canucks to to kind of get something going here because they got a lot of really good young, young talent that they As can somebody use. who really likes the Canucks, I really hope they're good next year. Like not, they don't have to be like the best and I don't want them to be better than the Blackhawks, but I want them to be good because Elias Patterson deserves it. Yes. Elias Patterson deserves it. Call their, <laughs> he call deserves their the world. So let's talk about the Blackhawks change paths here a little bit. Uh, Let's talk about a couple things that they have done over the weekend and over the last week. So uh, convention countdown, there's 23 days until the convention, which whoop, whoop. So the first, the first deal that uh, we want to talk about, and I'll let Megan take it over because she uh, watches this player. She's watched this player uh, for most of his career. The Chicago Blackhawks last week acquired Calvin DeHaan and Alexi Sorella from the Carolina Hurricanes. Sorella from the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Anton Forsberg and Gustav Forsling. So DeHaan is the big piece that is coming over in this trade. He played 74 games last year for the Canes, had one goal and 13 assists for 14 points. But I'll let Megan kind of take over um, Calvin DeHaan because she's pretty excited about him. So I, this trade came out of, like, literally out of left field. I was not expecting this one at all. I'm not sure if you were really expecting it. Um, there was I know no they were talk looking about for, him. Yeah, like, that That's was the why. thing. And I, I um, it seemed like at the end of the season that the Hurricanes were really high on Calvin DeHaan and, um, and that they weren't going to, you know, do anything with him. But, um, and even 
in his presser too when he got to the Blackhawks. He's basically like, yeah, I'm still shocked. I didn't really see this coming. Um, but um, a little background on Calvin DeHaan. Um, not, I'm not going to go too into it because he's my power play. But um, he's definitely a stay-at-home defenseman. He's not going to put up a lot of points. Um, but the Blackhawks desperately need a guy like that. Um, I don't think they really need another offensive defenseman. Um, I think they need somebody who's going to be defensively responsible, which Calvin DeHaan is. Um if some of you recognize the name but can't place a face to the name, um, he is the one who gave Jonathan Taves that beautiful black eye uh, beginning of November. Um, so that's kind of funny. And I and it won't come up in, like, things, but I kind of hope it does because awkward. But, like, in a funny way. Um, and then Alexi Sorella uh, was part of the Checkers team that um, – that won the Calder cup this year. So that's pretty cool. He's, um, I haven't watched a whole lot of his game, but he has played up in the NHL with the hurricanes during the regular season. I don't think he was one of the guys that they called up during the playoffs. I could be wrong on that, but I don't think he was. Um, but the hurricanes again, were pretty high on him. And, um, obviously he won the Calder cup with the checkers, the AHL affiliate of the hurricanes. And I think, not to be like mean. I sa- I've said that so many times on this podcast. And every time you <laughs> say it, every time you say it, you probably say something mean. So I know. Um, but I like Forsberg's not my favorite, and Forsling was not my favorite. So I think both of them can get a new start in Raleigh. And I think I don't think either of them are bad players. I just don't think they fit into the Blackhawks organization. So. Um, Again, like, just not a trade I was expecting, but I'm very, sorry, the hiccups, I'm very excited about it, and I don't know, I feel like you should be excited about Kevin DeHaan, too. I'll get more into it in my power play, but he's definitely, um, definitely a player that the Blackhawks probably could have used last year, but, um, yeah, so I'm very excited about that one, personally. Yeah. And I'm I'm pretty excited about him too. I, I I watched a fair amount of games from the Carolina Hurricanes this year, just because they were very good, but also because they were on. So and I and I liked following the Storm Surge and all of that. I was stuff, gonna say so. Storm Surge, yeah. Yeah. So that was really fun. Uh, but I'm very excited for him. That helps bolster our defense right now, which is something that mm-hmm. the Blackhawks were really looking to do, which is really good. Um, and we got a couple other players to go through. But before we do, the 2019-20 schedule was released. Uh, and I kind of put together, obviously, every team plays 82 games. But I put together a couple games that you should keep your eyes on. Uh, so the home opener is the 10th of October versus San Jose. We do start the season. It's it's weird how the beginning of the season starts because our first game of the regular season is October 4th. That's when all the teams open this year and we play in Philadelphia. It's a one o'clock game and then we're off. That's a Friday and then we're off until the following Thursday. So we don't play any games between the 4th and the 10th, which is strange. But uh, the home opener is the 10th versus San Jose. And we play at home all the way until the end of uh, end of October. October 26th, we play in Carolina. We only have two away games in the month of October, which is really nice. Uh, then November. And I've got my eye on that Carolina Hurricanes game. Oh, yeah. And it's a noon game, too, on a Saturday, which is really nice. So excited. And so excited. December 2nd is our first look at the St. Louis Blues. Obviously, 
rivalry. We love that. That's our first meeting of the season with them. And then into the new year, uh, there's only three home games in the month of February, February 5th, the 19th and the 21st versus Boston, New York and Nashville. And all the rest of them are away. You got Arizona, Minnesota, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, Calgary, Winnipeg, Dallas, St. Louis, Tampa Bay, Florida. So there's uh, that that swing in the middle there with Winnipeg, Edmonton, Vancouver, and Calgary is going to be pretty tough. That's spread out from a Sunday to a Saturday. So, and then uh, the end of this, we end the season in New York. Uh, we play we play on the island on the second of March, and then we end on the fourth or sorry April. And we end on the fourth of April in New York playing against the Rangers. So if you want to check out the full schedule, get those games that you want to go to. Listed, down, and ready for when those tickets go on sale. You can go ahead and do that at the Blackhawks website. Um, the I, home opener tickets go on sale August 20th. I was going to say, I'm inclined to say that the tickets do go on sale like the end of August. That's usually when they go on sale, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very excited, though. I've got definitely got my eyes on quite a few of the games. Um, as much as I don't like the Blues, it'll be kind of fun to play them. The Blackhawks, for the record, did beat them four out of five times this year, so keep that in mind. Um, but yeah, so it'll be it'll be a fun season. That like they do open it kind of weird though, and I'm kind of mad that they play it like two o'clock Eastern time on a Friday because I'm not gonna be able to o'clock. watch it. Twelve o'clock or twelve o'clock Eastern time. That's the game in Carolina. No, 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 no. On the um, the Blackhawks, they play there in Philly. That game's on a Friday, right? Oh, I don't know. Whatever Which one? date. Which one? There's one. There's one where oh, they're the playing. Opener? I think the opener. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's one o'clock. Yeah, but it's on like it's in the middle of the week. Yeah, like, it's, it's a on, Friday. It's a Friday. Which is really annoying because every NHL team opens that. that day. But they don't all open in the afternoon. No, no, it's Philly only. I'm convinced that Philly only plays afternoon games. No, they play night games, I promise. I just, I, literally every time the Blackhawks play them in Philly, they're playing an afternoon game. And I don't understand how that happens. I don't know, man. The NHL, you should go bring that up with the NHL scheduler. Uh, a couple guys that were signed by the Blackhawks this past week, Dylan Sakura and John Quinville. John Quinville we got in the trade with John Hayden to the New Jersey Devils. Each have been signed to two-year contracts and each carry a cap hit of $750,000. Um, year one is a two-way, and year two is a one-way contract. So the first uh, the first year that's a two-way, it's a seven hundred grand salary NHL side, two hundred fifty grand, uh, two hundred fifty grand salary AHL side, and then you have the uh, second year, which is a one-way contract worth eight hundred grand. So those are two guys that I think I think John Quinville him is just a is a change of scenery. I watched him play a little bit uh, with Birmingham when he was uh, sorry not Birmingham that's in, that's in Alabama uh, Binghamton, which is the uh, New Jersey Devils AHL affiliate, and he he is he plays a really tough. I I, I this is going to allude to my next point, but. He reminds me of an Andrew Shaw kind of player to a little bit of a lesser degree, but he has a lot of talent there, and I think he just needs to take it in into a place where he can really, really do great. 
So that'll be really exciting, and I like Dylan Sakira. I like what he what I saw from him. I think he just needs to develop a little bit more. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier with Andrew Shaw, the biggest news of the week was that the Blackhawks reacquired Andrew Shaw and a seventh-round pick in 2021 for, uh, for a 2020 second round, a 2020 seventh round, and a 2021 third-round pick. So this past season, Andrew Shaw played in 63 games. He had 19 goals, 28 assists, and 47 points, which was a career high in both the assists and the points category for him. Uh, yesterday was my sister, my little sister Carly. She just graduated high school, so we had about 60 people over at one point for her graduation party, and this news broke in the middle of the party, and you know, there's a lot of people in my house, but my house is not large, and our, lar- our yard isn't large, so it's not hard to find a missing parent when they're not in the house. They're probably in the garage doing something, or in the car doing whatever. So, I think someone in my family must have thought that someone was murdered or something happened or the sky was falling because I ran outside and that's where everybody was. They were eating dinner. I ran outside and I was like, oh my God, where's my mom? And the first thing that people thought was like, what's wrong? And I was like, and my dad has two really good friends that are die hard Blackhawks fans. And they were sitting right there and the, the wife looks at me and she's like, did you just get the tweet? And I was like, I just got the tweet. And she's like, Andrew Shaw. And so we had a moment and it was, I cried in front of everyone. It was, I don't even know what I was doing yesterday when you FaceTimed me, but you FaceTimed me and I knew something like for some reason, my brain immediately went to like, they traded somebody I love. That's what they did. (laughs) But because I can't trust Stan Bowman, he can't be trusted. Um, and when you FaceTime me, I was like, I mean, you saw the shock on my face because that was the first time I'd, uh, and that's the first time I'd heard it. Yeah. I don't even know what I was doing yesterday. I just wasn't like online. I don't know if I was, maybe that's when I was writing. I can't remember. I was either writing or drawing or doing something that just didn't require me being on the internet. And I'm also not the best at checking Twitter. Um, and... I was so shook. I was running. You saw me. I mean, I was running around my apartment trying to find my Andrew Shaw jersey. It was in, it was in the wash. I'm actually wearing it right now. Um, but I was so excited for this. Like, you have absolutely no idea. And I know people are like, oh, but the Black X always bring people back and it never works. Number one, shut up. Number two, it's for the nostalgic reasons. And number three... I genuinely think that A, Andrew Shaw should not have been traded to begin with, and B, I I think the Blackhawks have dearly missed him as far as, like, he's one of the best bottom six guys I have ever seen because he can score, but he can also fight, he can also defend, and he can grind. And I just think that the Blackhawks have been trying to fill that hole with different guys for the past couple of years and it hasn't worked, but they realized that their mistake was just not having Andrew Shaw. Well, I think he, the reason why, well, the reason why that we had, the Blackhawks had to trade him was because of cap issues. We couldn't well, fit right, under our, right. our, our cap, but I do think he really brings in. And after they traded John Hayden, I was a little bit not, I didn't really enjoy John Hayden's game that much. I really don't think, I mean, he provided stuff for the Blackhawks, but I really don't think it was very valuable stuff that we couldn't replace anywhere. But 
my my thing was okay after we got rid of him. I, I really didn't like the fact that the Blackhawks didn't really have a couple guys that had grit on the team. And I was like, okay, maybe one or two guys that we can bring in that can play, like a Tom Wilson kind of guy that can play, but also has a nastier, a more tough side to them. And they brought in Andrew Shaw, and I was like, that's it. That's all you need. You just see this one guy. He's a firecracker on the ice. He can do it all. And he was one of the players that 2013 was my favorite Stanley Cup, and 2013 was the year that I really committed to getting into hockey and getting into not just the Blackhawks, but but all over the league, and Andrew Shaw was a big reason why I loved that team. Uh, that that the just just the fire that he plays with, the passion that he plays with, the the commitment to his teammates. And yes, he made a couple dumb mistakes throughout his career, but I really don't think those are anything that should people should condemn him for. And one of, I mean, one of them obviously he used um, a derogatory term, but he came out and said, "Listen, I that's not me," and that's that's not me and that's not acceptable and I'm going to make it right. And he has taken steps to make it right and has gotten fall involved in the, you can play movement and initiative and everything like that. So, uh, I don't hold that against him. And I mean, if he were to do it again, then I kind of be like, okay, buddy, like we've been through this, but I'm glad the Blackhawks are giving him another chance. And I'm glad he's back because he's, uh, He's someone I really, really enjoy watching, and he's one of my favorite players. Me and my sister. My sister has his jersey, and I wear it all the time. So uh, it's pretty it's pretty exciting. But they also signed two other players today. They signed Ryan Carpenter from the Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, they signed him to a three-year deal at a million dollars average annual value. And this past season, he played in 68 games and had five goals and 13 assists for 18 points. And then the Blackhawks re-signed newly married David Kampf to a two-year deal at a million dollars average annual value. So he played, he played 63 games for the Hawks this year and had four goals, 15 assists, and 19 points. And what this kind of tells me here is that, okay, we, we just drafted Kirby Doc, but Kirby Doc is going to need a couple more years to develop, maybe a year or two more to develop. Uh, but he is a big center, and he will be playing center for the Blackhawks for a long time, for a long time come, to come. But... What this tells me is Brian Carpenter is a center, and I think he'd be a really, really great bottom six guy. A third-line center could really fill that role out nicely. And then David Camp, is a, I loved him on the fourth line this past season for the Blackhawks. So I think, I think he's a really good guy right there. But I also kind of... Kind of this kind of says to me that Artem Anisimov might be on the way out, and I think he should just because of that number, that number that he's making uh, on the Blackhawks cap right now, which is just not a, it's not a pretty number. And the Blackhawks are pretty lucky that they don't need to, they don't have a ton of guys that they need to sign in the near future besides Brendan well, Perlini, which is the only other Perlini's RFA, is the only guy that they need to sign as of right now. But Artem Anisimov makes $4.55 million for the next two years when he becomes a UFA in the 21-22 season. So I just, I, I think you move him out, you move Artem Anisimov out, and then you slot in Ryan Carpenter in there, and you slot in uh, David Camp on the fourth line, and I think that's a really good center depth down the middle with Taves on the top line and Strom in the, in the, on the second line uh, there. So I think they... And I and I knew Stan said that he was going to get Camp and Perlini done, and he says that he doesn't foresee any issues with Perlini yet. So, what really just what really just baffles me right now is that both Stroman to Brinkett are still on their entry level contracts. So, like that's that's a tomorrow problem. They don't need to be signed until next season. That's a but tomorrow problem. That's a tomorrow problem. But I'm I, I'm looking at their cat friendly, and that just they're the only two guys that are still on ELCs right now. But 
um, also looking at this and seeing Andrew Shaw's name on the the roster is just just makes me so giddy. But yeah, so the Blackhawks have been active, and I don't think Stan Bowman is done. So. I don't think so either. And like, not to be like a Debbie Downer, but I kind of hope that they're not done, because um, I Stan Bowman this whole time has been pitching like this team's going to be totally different when we're done and blah, blah, blah. And like, I think our defense has gotten a bit of an upgrade between Dahan and, and Mata, but it's not like eons better. And our, our forward group has gotten somewhat better as well, bringing in Andrew Shaw and Quenville and re-signing Sakura and, um, and getting Andrew Shaw back and all that stuff. But again, I just feel like in terms of making this team a contender, it's just not like not, it just doesn't feel like it's fully there yet. I think it can be there. I don't know really what I would say they could do to fix it or to get it there. Maybe is the better way to phrase that rather than. Well, I mean, we signed, we signed Robin Leonard today as well. So I know. And like, that's a huge one. Like, and I think, I think that'll definitely help because Adelia is good. He really is. I just think he needs goalies more are time. So, yeah, like goalies just need a little bit more time to develop than I think a normal like skater would. Um, and that's not like uncommon or anything. Like I, I still think Delia is really good, um, and I think he will be good. But I think just between Crawford's injuries and the goalie situation the past couple years, I just feel like having Robin Leonard like helps a lot, but I don't know. I, I'm just not, I'm trying so hard not to get my hopes up because I got my hopes up last season and I know they didn't do anything last off season. Like I know that's a big reason why nothing happened, but at the same time, I feel like they did do some things and I was excited about said some things and said some things kind of let me down a lot. So, without naming names, I just, I have high hopes, but I'm trying to not be, like... I think you just need to play it by year. And, like, with Robin Leonard, I really think that helps boost our back end. He did sign a one-year $5 million contract to be with the Blackhawks. He was offered a two-year $5 million per year contract, so a $10 million total from the New York Islanders, but he did say in his press conference today with Blackhawks beat reporters that it wasn't his fault that he didn't sign there. He said that the Islanders walked away and really didn't want anything to do with him after offering him that, which I thought was strange, and then they ended up offering Semyon Varlamov four years at $5 million per, so to each their own, but... I thought that was kind of it's, weird, too. It's, 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 it's going to be a process. I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be contending for a Stanley Cup next year. But I think if, just, they, if they keep acquiring great assets like this and they keep kind of building and, and a lot of our young the, – the, the kicker here is that a lot of our young prospects need to be ready in the next coming years to be able to really make this a, really make this a playoff contending team. When you get Boquist and Yogi Haru and you get Doc and then you get Mitchell and a couple other guys that we have down there up and ready and playing in the NHL, I think that's really going to make a big difference. But for right now, I think it's just kind of a waiting period while we wait for them to, de- to, to develop and be able to play at an NHL level, which they will. They just need some time. Right. And I'm like totally fine with that. Like, tell me that all day long. Like, I'm totally fine with them being like, hey, we're going to be good again in the next couple years. 
But that's not what Stan Bowman is saying. And you know that that's not what he's saying. He will, like, the thing is with, the thing is with NHL GMs, and this is kind of a trade, a a trend that has been happening. They, and I think this is true with any business or anything that you're doing that's public knowledge. You don't want to come out and say, we're going to suck. We're going to suck the next couple of years. You want to come out and no, say you that you're going to be contenders that. because you can be there. You could go on a fluke run and anything could happen. But if you feel confident in the players that you have, he's not coming out and saying we're going to win a Stanley Cup. But he's saying, hey, we, we have a better team than we have last year, which I can agree with. We have a better team with a couple other assets that we have acquired. We can make a couple more moves and we can do a couple more things. But for right now, we are better than where we were last year. That's true. And he hasn't said we're going to win a Stanley Cup. If he came out and said, hey, we're winning the Stanley Cup next year with this team that we've acquired because it's just, it's just so good, then i kind of be like, okay, so, slow down a little bit. we still got, we still got a couple other kinks to work out here. But I think, I think he's not wrong in saying that we're, we're, we're going to be better this year. I think we're going to be a little bit better. It's not like we're going to be significantly better where you're like, right. whoa, what happened? I just think... I don't know. And I think part of it is because of the past couple years, but I think I've just like low key lost my trust in him a little bit. And that's not like, it's, I don't know how to word it without being like whiny or like, cause I'm not one of those people who's just going to sit there and hate every decision he makes because I know there are people out there that are like that. And I don't really understand that because to be fair, like he's done so much more this off season than he did last season, which is kind of interesting given the like coaching situation, but we're not going to get into that. Um, if you do want to get into that though, I highly suggest reading Mark Lazarus's interview with coach Q doesn't like fully go there, but it like almost goes there just, you know, but I just feel like over the past couple of seasons, he's like, just low key lost my trust a little bit just between. And I know, like, again, I know he's working with a tough cap and, like, the whole, like, Brent Seabrook thing and even, like, Duncan Keith's contract is kind of meh. Um, I think his is better than Seabrook's, but it's a conversation for a different day. Um, I don't know. I just feel like between, like, the things he's done in the past couple of seasons with the cap and then saying, like, last season, like, being so sure that they were going to go to the playoffs and then they got marginally close towards the end of the year once things kind of settled down with college and everything. But like, I didn't feel like there wasn't any point in the season where I thought there wasn't any point in the season past like November where I thought that they were going to be a legit playoff team that was going to make it far in the playoffs. Was I excited that they could potentially make the playoffs? Of course I was, but that lineup just did not read playoff team to me and that's all they kept yelling is that it was a playoff team that they're going to make the playoffs and then they didn't and I was just madly disappointed for no reason because I knew it wasn't a playoff team so I don't know I just he's just losing my trust a little bit so like he'll have to and I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one I mean I I can't imagine that I'm the only one but I'm also just I don't know I just feel like He's going to have to regain my trust on this one because I like I like some of the trades and some of the signings he's done this summer. I'm not going to sit here and say that I didn't like any of them because I genuinely really like most of them. I'm just hesitant. That's fair. That's fair, too. But, 
Um, moving on from there, let's talk about a couple things that happened outside of free agency in the NHL. Um, you got uh, two guys announcing their retirement. Brooks Orpik announces his retirement from the Washington Capitals, uh, where he's played the last couple of years. He played 15 seasons in the NHL, 11 years in Pittsburgh, five years in Washington. He played 1,035 games, had 18 goals, and 176 assists for 194 points in his career. And he is a two-time Stanley Cup champion, 2009 with Pittsburgh and 2018 with Washington. And then the other announcement, which was a little bit on the bigger side, was Roberto Luongo announcing that he is also retiring from the NHL. He played 19 seasons uh, from 1999 to 2019. He spent 11 years with the Florida Panthers, 8 years with the Vancouver Canucks, and 1 year with the New York Islanders. He played in 1,044 games, which ranks second all-time among among goalies. Uh, He has 489 wins, 392 losses, and 124 ties 489 wins, ranks third all-time in the NHL. He had 77 shutouts, a 2.52 goals against average, and a 919 save percentage. He's a two-time All-Star. He won the 2010-11 Jennings Trophy with the Vancouver Canucks, and he still has three years left on his current contract, so that does put the Florida Panthers and the Vancouver Canucks a bit. I was going to say the Canucks too, yeah. Into a bit of uh, a bit of a bind contract-wise. So the Vancouver Canucks are going to be paying him $3 million per year for the next three seasons, and the Florida Panthers will be paying him $1.1 million per year for the next three seasons. So he's to- the total that he's owed is $12.3 million. So that's not a, especially on the Vancouver side, that's not a, that's not a, a very pretty number that they want to be paying right now, but they do have the cap space to do it. So um, that'll be that'll be a problem for you know the next three years if they need to pay him. Uh, but Craig Berube finally received an extension from the St. Louis Blues to receive to take off the interim tag off of his uh, off of his title. He will be remaining as the coach of the St. Louis Blues for the next three years. Very well deserved. He came in this year after the team kind of. Went all apart. the way down. Yep, and players were fighting each other in practice, and there was Honestly, just a lot going on. Honestly, that's still one of my favorite moments from the entire season. I I remember watching that and just being so confused because I feel like you see it sometimes in other sports where players will go after their own teammates, especially like I don't want to call the NBA or the NFL out, but I feel like that happens a lot in those two sports, especially. I don't think it happens in baseball that often. I could be wrong, but I feel like in NBA and and NFL, like literally guys call each other out all the time. And I'm just sitting here like, dude, you guys play for like you play with each other. Like you probably should not say that. Um, But like to see guys like physically fight each other. I think it was. Was it Joel Edmondson and Stanford? I think those are the two guys. No, it wasn't Edmondson. Who was it? It was Robert Bertuzzo. Bertuzzo. It was Bertuzzo. But I think it was Stanford, though, that he was fighting. But I've just never seen anything like that in my entire life. And I was, like, yeah, it was kind of funny, like, in the moment. But I was just genuinely, like, astounded by it because, I don't know. Like, that's just not something you see every day. And then they ended up winning the Stanley Cup together. Oh, happily ever after. They hugged on the ice, actually. I saw that there was a video that they came up to each other and, and kind of had a conversation there. So it's good that they figured out whatever they they went through. But um, You know, sometimes you just got to, especially if you're in, like, a, I'm not going to, like, sit here and defend it necessarily, but sometimes if you're really close quarters with somebody and you're not happy with your situation, it's very easy for 
tensions to flare up. After living with roommates for four years, I can kind of maybe see it. Yes, yes. Uh, And then the other big piece of news that happened this past week was the 2019 Hockey Hall of Fame class was announced. Uh, So the players, there's a couple players that are going in. Haley Wickenheiser, Locke, we knew she was going in. Sergei Zubov, Guy Carboneau, and Vaclav uh, I was saying it the other day, Nana Bansky, there you go. And then Jim Rutherford and Jerry York go in as builders, but just wanted to touch on Haley Wickenheiser since her career is, was outstanding. Uh, she was a player from 1993 to 2016. She wore the C for Canada, uh, team Canada from 2006 to 2013 and wore the A in 2013-14. She played for the University of Calgary for 2010 to 2015 and played for the Calgary Inferno, the CWHL, before they folded from 2015 to 2017. She played in 79 international games, had 58 goals, 88 assists for 146 points. She's a four-time Olympic gold medalist, one-time Olympic silver medalist, seven-time world championship gold medalist, and a six-time world championship silver medalist. And she's a three-time three time Women's World Hockey League titles, and she has won Canadian Women's Hockey League titles, which, okay, go off. She, she is, if not, I mean, she, she is the best female hockey player to this day, I mean, you could put you yep. could put Haley Knight, Hillary Knight, and you could put uh, Marie Philippe Plan in that category as well. But they're obviously still active players. Well, not active right now since they are holding out until they get fair wages and contracts. We talked about that a couple podcasts ago, but they are still active, so they're not eligible to be kind of considered the best right now in terms of the Hall of Fame. But Haley Wickenheiser was definitely a lock. Uh, Sergey Zubov was a lock as well, and uh, not a lock, but he was he was. He was getting there, and Guy Carboneau as well, and then Vladklav Nenemansky uh, was kind of one that the from the people that I had listened to and the the analyst that I listened to was was deserving to be in the Hall of Fame, but I don't think he I don't think he should have made it in this year, um, uh, not until much later. But I guess they are trying to kind of connect with that older generation of of players that haven't been been let in because he did play from 1974 to 1983. So he was kind of a couple decades ago, but uh, Jim Rutherford, obviously as a builder um, built the, I mean, he's with the Pittsburgh Penguins right now and they won three Stanley cups. So in those last two cups, they couldn't have done without him. And I feel like that he just kind of sneakily makes moves. And he's also some guy, he's, he's the type of guy that just kind of goes for it which I really appreciate. He just kind of says, you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. And it ends up turning out great because it's Jim Rutherford and that's just how it works, I guess, in this system. But um, yeah, those are the, that is the Hockey Hall of Fame class. I mean, you got a couple guys that are coming up here in the next couple years that are, that are going to be eligible and needing spots. And the biggest one is Jerome McGinley, who is surefire Hall of Famer, number one ballot, like lock. That's, that's not an issue. Um, and same thing with Roberto Luongo. I was going to mention this when I when I mentioned his retirement, but he's also going to be a first a first ballot for Sherlock Hall of Famer. There's nothing nothing that can change that. So, um, congrats to all of those players and all of those uh, all of those players that are retiring, all those players that are going into the Hall of Fame, and congrats to Craig Brube for getting that pay raise that we know he deserves. Let's do the power play because this is a long podcast. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can go ahead and go first because I know yours is uh yours you've been waiting to do for a little bit since we talked about it earlier. 
Yeah, no problem. Let All me know right. when you are ready to go. All right, go ahead. So I kind of touched on it earlier, um, but um, I am kind of obsessed with Calvin DeHaan and his game. Um, I have been watching him all season. I honestly, when the Hurricanes signed him, going to be honest, didn't know who he was. Or I knew who he was, but I didn't know like that much about him. hadn't really seen him play. But after seeing him play for a whole season and seeing him through the playoffs, he's definitely a defenseman that you want on your side. Um, I think I said it earlier, but he's definitely a stay-at-home defenseman. Um, he's really not going to go too, too far into the offensive zone. He's really not going to score goals. Last year, he only scored one. Um, and then I think he had like 13 assists. Um, so he's not going to get you a whole lot of points. But with the Blackhawks, I feel like that's not a bad thing because... If they want a defenseman that can score them goals, it's going to be Eric Gustafson. And that's fine. Totally fine. But you don't need, like, 18 offensive defensemen on the team because, not sure if you know this, but that's not, you know, really their job description. Um, so uh, he's definitely a stay-at-home guy. He's definitely one to block shots. Um, I can't tell you how many <laughs> how many times I watched him play with the Hurricanes where he would just sprawl out and block a shot Brent Seabrook style. Um, which is awesome. Um, he's definitely not going to be the defensive liability to that, that I feel like a lot of the Blackhawks defensemen are. Um, obviously, he's got lapses in judgment like a normal human does. But for the most part, I think he's pretty defensively responsible, which is good because I think the Blackhawks just need like an anchor. And I think the rest of the defense might fall into play. So... We'll see. I'm very excited, though, and I feel like you should be excited, too, because he genuinely is kind of the perfect defenseman that the Blackhawks need. So, fingers crossed that he fits into Colleton's system. There you go. Right on time. Nailed it. I'm pretty excited for him, too. I think it's a good it's a good bolster for the, for the club. I just think he's just... I don't know. I, I just really like his game. And I think he did play through a lot of injuries as well. Um, and he's just got determination that I feel like some of the defensemen on the Blackhawks maybe don't necessarily have. I feel like the Blackhawks have determination, but I feel like he brings that extra something to the defense that I'm very much looking forward to. And obviously the Hurricanes have kind of a logjam of defensemen, so... Um, I mean, I think I think if you're a Blackhawks fan, you should 100% be excited about him, especially. Um, yeah, that's my that's my two cents. Yeah, I like it. Are you ready for your podcast? I mean, your podcast. Oh my God, it is way too late. Are you ready for your PowerPoint? Yes. Okay. So my power play this week, I, I wrote it in the doc as embrace change, be open to new option systems and ways of doing things. And I think this applies not only to hockey, but also to life in general and just being able to go with the flow and be able to change and be able to just adapt to your new surroundings. And so I think this is really important to talk about right now just because it is free agency and um, there's a lot of moving around going on and there's a lot of changing teams and changing sceneries and everything. And I think Joe Pavelski honestly is probably the best example of this and that 
you spend 13 years in one place or you spend your entire career in one place and you're a really important piece of that puzzle and you're a really important piece of the team and you suddenly decide to go somewhere else. You don't get traded, but you decide to go somewhere else and get a fresh start. And I think it's really important for people to do that. I think it's really important to spread your horizons and, and go try new things and be open to different ways of life and different points of view and, and different perspectives that are that are different than your own and, and be able to change your mind and be able to see things from a fresh point of view. And kind of going into that as a fan, I think it's important for your team, for looking at your team and seeing the moves that they're making or watching some of your players go to, to different places or, or, or see them get traded. I think it's important to remember that they want change as well, and I think you should be open to allowing them to change. I mean, it's their life. You can't control them. You're a fan. You can't control what your favorite player is going to do. They're going to do. You can't control anybody. Uh, but I think it's really important to just embrace it and, and kind of take what's net, coming next in stride and be able to be able to accept that and, and go with it and, and make the best of it. So I think that's something that's super important to, to realize and to, to be open to come uh, – any any time you need to change in your life. So yeah. Nice. Sorry, my dog keeps yawning in my ear. I had to pause that. Like, I had to like mute myself because she just kept, she's like sitting right behind me, and I didn't want to interrupt your power play. No, that's okay. Um, but no, I feel like I like what you said. Like, I just I feel like sometimes change is difficult for some people. I am some people, um, and I think. Sometimes it's a good thing and it can be a catalyst for a good thing. So I, I 100% agree with you. So yes, that was one of our longest podcasts that we've done uh, just because of the full free I kind of knew it would be. Yeah, so uh, especially with all the free agent news, we knew it would be a long one, but that's why we wanted to do it. So if you've stuck around for the whole one hour and 50 minutes that we've been recording, thank you. Uh, we appreciate it if you've been here and you've been listening to us, or if you're a new listener, because we have seen a spike in our numbers, which is awesome. So thank you if you're new here yeah, and thank listening you. to us. Uh, we're really we're really amped about it. So uh, I will be out of town this entire week. So when we get back, hopefully nothing too crazy has happened. And when we record next week, it won't be as long. Uh, and a lot of the free agency stuff has kind of disappeared since then. But hopefully Mitch Marner is signed to a contract by then. <laughs> but for my for my sanity, but. Um, there's one other thing before we go that we missed, and I forgot to put it on there, but uh, the last thing that I want to talk about was um, the Montreal Canadiens offer sheeting Sebastian Ajo. Oh my god, how did we not talk about this? How did we not talk about this? I don't know. I just, I I forgot to update the doc. I was out when it happened. In some sort of euphoria where it wasn't, not euphoria, utopia, where it wasn't happening. Yeah. Oh my God. Can I just rant about this for like a hot second? Mm-hmm. Just, yeah. Off sheets are freaking stupid. And I wasn't really looking forward to one at all. I know everybody's like maximum chaos, which usually I'm totally on board for, but that's not the kind of maximum chaos I wanted. I didn't want, I didn't want Mitch Marner to get offer sheeted. I didn't want Braden Point to get offer sheeted. Definitely didn't think Sebastian Ajo would get freaking offer sheeted, but Don Waddell took his time figuring out a contract so now we're here and supposedly Sebastian Ajo has signed the darn thing I am an unhappy camper I would like to go home now I 
have been upset about this since it came out at 2.45 today, Eastern Time. 2.45 is officially my least favorite time of day now. It can go rot. Canada, you're on thin ice. Mark Bergevin, I'm never going to look at your face ever again without thinking that you're the worst human on this whole planet. I am not happy about this situation in the slightest. I also think that the terms of this stupid offer sheet are ridiculous. And I know that's the point of it. I get that that's the point. But they're ridiculous in that, like, A, I wasn't really expecting... If you're going to offer sheet somebody, I feel like eight point whatever AAV is not that big. That's definitely something the hurricanes can do. But then you look at like the actual like I guess breakdown of it and then you're like, wow, the hurricanes can't afford that. Um Don Waddell is convinced they can. But supposedly when he did his press conference at three, Tom Dundon was out on like a golf course in Aspen. I'm like, okay, it is free agency. What are you doing on a golf course where you don't have good reception? My dude, what are you doing? Like, don't you think that, like, if you're the owner of a team who has a say in things, that you should probably, like, be available during, like, the first day of free agency? Like, maybe that's just me, but I just feel like he should have not been golfing. I don't know. This whole situation just has me so mad and I'm sitting here clapping my hands like a freaking idiot because I called my mom upset about it. I called my dad and my sister upset about it. I talked to you and I was upset about it. I'm sure my dog has heard it today. I and then he freaking signed it and I'm like, Sebastian, no. What are you doing? What are you actually doing? So that was my little baby rant on it. You can probably go into more specifics if you want. No, I was just... I, I was had to just, my chest. All, all I'll say is that my opinion is the complete opposite of that. So we're not going to get into it. So, uh, But thank you for listening. Sorry that came at the very end. But thank you for listening. Um, we will see you guys again next week. Uh, this was a really fun one to do. So uh, hopefully next week, like I said... Yeah, uh, we'll have an update for you guys next week on that. So... Thank you again so much for listening, and we will talk to you guys again next week. Bye, guys.